Welcome to another edition of the Earning Hope Podcast. This is your host, David Bryant. Today I'm going to recount for you some details on how big tech companies just divided and conquered our elections. The establishment investors in our political system all have a vested interest in being able to more easily secure the vote so that they don't ever have to worry about whether or not somebody like Donald Trump will win a presidency ever again. And in this election, by using the Pied Piper strategy and getting Donald Trump elected into office, they were able to suss out and separate the groups of people, the varying groups of people and their beliefs because of tribalism. People grew into their camps and, and they were separated more accurately so that they could be counted and that they could more easily exclude certain groups of people. And this is in both parties. All of the people that supported these movements during this election cycle, every one of you, you are now never going to be able to actually have a say in your politics ever again unless you unify as one cohesive group. They have absolutely secured this election in such a way as to make it nearly undetectable unless we were to audit every voting machine, arrest every vote counter, and to collect the memory cards before they get smashed like the hard drives with the Clinton emails. That's not a joke. So that I already covered in one of these how the election coup is real and how this could be done in a way that's nearly undetectable using things like memory cards or purging the votes or making pencil marks on them or using the wrong marker or in some cases they outright just voided ballots in pencil in Pennsylvania tore them up and threw them out I wonder why they voided and threw those votes out probably because they wouldn't vote the right way so these are things that are actually happening and actually going on but what's more disturbing about this is that so far law enforcement seems to have little to no interest in stopping it from happening which means that the internal state apparatus decided that Donald Trump was a threat to their ability to be able to falsely arrest people falsely incriminate people and that that was bad for their business They betrayed a United States president because they want to mass incarcerate you into the future. And in the Democratic Party, they nominated the top cop for vice president and the architect of the crime bill, who's whispered on stage that the big secret is in the Democratic Party, they pass more harsh crime laws than anybody else does. This isn't a thing that's made up. That's a thing that's actually a quote from Joe Biden on stage. He whispers it on stage. (laughs) And I cannot for the life of me understand other than Kamala Harris's comments about how she's worried about having to have three locks on her front door, how that could be that so many people could be duped by this and vote and swing a vote like that other than the fact that there's mass voter fraud and manipulation which is always the case 
There is always stuff like this going on, no matter how often they say it doesn't want to happen. The reason they say that it doesn't happen is because not all of the people that are involved in that are aware of it. But in the previous podcast, I played you a video in which a, a bunch of certified election officials were shown how easily it is to actually rig one of the machines they use to count ballots, like we're counting right now, and to certify the vote in the wrong count. With just eight votes, two for voting that the machine could be hacked, and six for voting that the machine could not be hacked, they were able to shift one vote. And now they have discovered that due to some kind of mysterious error in machines in Michigan, they were shifting the votes over by upwards of 6,000 votes in mass in all of the different places that they were polling and counting. And when they fixed this issue, it shifted the votes to Trump. It is that important that it, that small number of votes can make or break an election. That's why they were so adamant about getting so many people out to vote, because the only way they could actually get that landslide is if they were to have gotten a massive turnout and be able to shift the votes. That's how strong of support this president had from the Republican voting base. But what I discovered in Colorado in 2016, when I was a registered Democrat going to vote for Bernie Sanders, standing in a caucus room, and I got this on tape. So at some point, when I have access to all my data and all of my information back in my storage unit back in Colorado, I can play these tapes for you. They were in the room with the Democratic caucus, and I was in there with somebody who worked with the local Democratic uh, establishment in, in the form of an uh, economic development board. And that person was advocating to get voting machines on the ballot in our county because they thought it would make the voting process easier. Easier in terms of cheating the vote because in 2014 in Boulder, Colorado, in fact the Republican Party was busted for shifting the vote by using pencil marks on the ballots to make them not count. It would discredit the vote and so they were able to shift an election and they got busted for doing it. And so politics is dirty in summation. That's the end of that story. And, but it's not, because in that room, the guy professed that he had been in politics for 40 years, so that made him more of an expert in me and how hacking is done. Well, he didn't know that I grew up working in a computer store and have had a computer since 1997 and used websites built when I was a teenager before colleges had classes how to build websites in our hometown that uh, I knew a little bit more about it than not. And so I corrected him and said that, well, I may not have been in politics for 40 years, but I do know how these voting machines were hacked in Boulder and shifted the vote to the Republican Party. That's why I brought that up. And he didn't know about that, so he crossed his arms and sat there with a pouty face. And the two people that were in the room were clearly in support of Hillary Clinton, the establishment candidate. I was able to articulately argue the room to vote in favor nearly of Bernie Sanders, just short of two votes. And there was four undecided votes. But before this, they straw polled the room. They did straw polling to see, to get a feel for who was going to vote for who. So I was unable to shift over four undecided voters. And as a result, 
they gave those undecided voters to Hillary Clinton to bolster her numbers in that room. So she went from 16 votes to having 20 votes. And that was not the way that was supposed to go. And so I witnessed a fraud right in front of my face, even at a Democratic caucus where you have to raise your hand and be counted. And then it turned out that Bernie Sanders won our state by a, by a landslide in the nomination process. And then it turned out shortly after this that across the country, lots of people reported that the nomination had been stolen from Bernie Sanders and they even caught it on live television on C-SPAN during the nomination process. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what they did in the room where I was at. They did this in mass across all polling places across the country. The same strategy, depending on what kind of voting out, uh, outlook they had in that particular area, they would shift the votes in these very specific ways. This was done in mass in the Democratic National Convention. Do you think it's really that hard for them to shift the national vote by doing the same thing if they get the establishment candidates from the left and the right on board with doing that? They don't. What they will never tell you is that the people that serve in vote counting and things in something like a Democratic caucus are part of the Democratic establishment. They go to the tea parties still. They go to the, the private in-house democratic meetings where they sit there and talk with the political candidates and stuff like that. They get special access and close access. Hillary Clinton even started charging money to have access to her like that in that traditional democratic sense where they used to go and have meetings and not necessarily just town hall meetings but go to people's houses and shake hands and rub elbows with people who are influential in the community. These people work their way into those circles. And we know this from high school. If anybody was involved in politics in high school, you know it's a popularity contest. It, wasn't, it doesn't have anything to do with constitutional amendments or, val or human values in, in high school. It's all a popularity contest. And then once you get outside of high school and you get into state level and federal level politics, then it's about money. And so it's no longer about what's good for America or what's good for the Constitution or what's good for you and your community. It becomes about what's profitable for the most influential person in the room. And the most popular person ends up being the person who's most likely to garner the votes that shift it in the favor of the most wealthy person in the room. This is just how American politics is corrupted, period, from the ground up. And in the case of the Democratic Party, they literally have the entire entertainment apparatus behind them. So all the most popular people vote Democrat, vote blue no matter who, and these sort of things that can help shift your opinion about it. But they don't even have a position that remotely resembles your life position. They are voting to secure their financial future in many cases. They have no basic understanding of what it is to be a working-class American voter who just wants their union to be able to provide them with days off and health care. In Colorado they voted to pass 12 weeks of paid family leave uh, or sick leave and so this is the kind of things that they've wanted in Colorado. We tried to put universal health care on the ballot in Colorado already. That was a thing that was already almost passed in Colorado. The 
we, we were one of the first states to fully legalize marijuana. We were a lot of things that are very progressive, but that was done by the voting base in independent legislation. One thing got it on the ballot. People voted to get it on the ballot, and then they voted for it in mass. And so when they passed legal marijuana, even though the governor at the time, Hickenlooper, didn't want it, it passed because that's what the voters wanted. They were able to get that legislation on the ballot and vote it up. That's the only place that American voters actually win, is when you, in mass, get something like that on the bill and then vote for it. Now, in certain states across America, they have been making that harder to do, to where you now have to spend two years petitioning to get something on the ballot like that in some places. You can't spend six months doing it, you have to spend two years doing it now, which means that they've now eliminated your ability in certain states to get local legislation on for what the local community wants and they have just scientifically discovered a way that they can almost undetectably steal an election every single time no matter what kind of voting system they implement from now on even if they do ranked choice voting after this I already told you how that can be done they know they just practiced it in practice right now by separating and divesting in certain things they were able to separate us out into groups and just like Donald Trump was supposed to be the Pied Piper he was a, a divisive force and when they say that they mean it like oh we should vote against him because he's a divisive force but when they're saying that they're just describing the effect he's having on politics which is making people confront the things and the values that they actually want and I, I would wager that over the last four years, a lot of people have come to find out that they weren't voting in their own interests for a long time. And as a result, many people who would not have historically wanted to vote or support for a, a, voter, or a, a politician like Donald Trump found themselves saying, uh, you know what, I actually don't like the way this guy talks at all, but he's doing things that benefit me because I'm actually paying attention to the, what's, what's being voted on and what's being passed right now, I can see that there's an interest in what I actually need, even if he doesn't talk the way I want him to. And so it's, they, a lot of people woke up to the fact that politics shouldn't be about making you feel good. It should be about making our nation secure and sustainable. And when you vote for policies, that just sound rosy on the surface and make you feel good, you can bet your ass that somebody paid a lot of money to make that wording that way so that they could find a loophole to take advantage of it. Is a science, political science. That's the, the way that they shift words and, and malign the Constitution. That's the whole reason why there's people who are constitutional originalists versus people who believe that the Constitution is a living, a living document that needs to be amended. And then there are people that believe that the Constitution's wording can be used creatively. So there's these different factions, even within politics, on the inside track of politics, that use the Constitution, Constitution in various ways like that to try and get what they want. And as long as they can get a large number of voters to support that, they can get 
investment in it and then there they can run advertising campaigns and they can do whatever they need to get that put on on the ballot and it's a lot easier for them to do that than it is for you and me to petition to get you know legal pot on the bill for example which just passed in new jersey where i'm at now and has been on you know been legal in colorado for some time they didn't want it though and all the establishment people in my communities were trying to get it taken away they were trying to get rid of recreational pot even though it was bringing in hundreds of billions of dollars to the state that was being used to fill in potholes i mean literal in the road potholes not potheads but you know potholes so potheads were filling the potholes and potheads were funding the education system out there in colorado and tourism it brought in tourism lots of tourism and so these things were nothing but good for the state it was unbelievable and as a result it also brought in foreign investment we unfortunately they busted them uh, by in mass because they were working outside the system they didn't go in and work within the laws to open a company up and do it the way that the the uh, grow operations were doing it they were operating illegally out of houses that they had purchased that were empty before in very high-end communities and they busted in mass a bunch of grow operations out there that were they happened to be owned by the Chinese but it could have been any group of people doing that <laughs> it just it could have been anybody it just they just saw an opportunity and invested in it and it wasn't really uh, it wasn't very easy to get permits to have a grow operation and stuff like that there so at the time and which is if they had been they probably would have invested in it as a matter of fact the head of palantir uh invested in a marijuana company as soon as he moved to colorado and so there's a cash crop there it's like the gold rush okay everybody's heard of the gold rush well it's a green cash crop out there and it's a gold rush and so these people that are in these tech companies that just stole your election are racing into states where marijuana has been legalized because there's a cash crop and there's real estate there that's been going up because of that crash that cash crop bringing value to the community but the wages stagnated for people there our wages weren't going up according to that until this president this president was actually creating jobs for some people in places like the steel mill started having more jobs even the windmill farm had more jobs they had 500 600 new jobs put on for a contract for an extended period so it wasn't as if there weren't jobs being brought to the state but in my state they locked down the state and they canceled christmas this year people aren't allowed to go outside for christ's sake after 10 o'clock and they are not allowed to gather at social gatherings like freaking thanksgiving and christmas Otherwise, they'll be contact traced, ticketed, and possibly arrested. That's in Colorado, not just New York City. That's on Colorado. And we have a Democratic governor in the state of Colorado who is invested in big tech, and he is one of the wealthiest politicians in Colorado politics and in politics in general. He's a multimillionaire, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in personal equity, and he's invested in the Ukrainians, just like Joe Biden, since he was younger. There's nothing wrong with investing in things, but it's a little odd, I have to say, that all of those people seem to be extremely connected to Princeton University, the very heart of where the fake news banner that's on Facebook came from, and all of these things seem to be pretty centralized to 
this university that I'm standing at right now, and also seem to serve, again, not just the establishment candidates in the Democratic Party, but the establishment candidates in the Republican Party, the ones that weren't supporting Trump, that didn't like the way he was taking the party, because it wouldn't allow for them to get away with the things the way they normally do either. And so it was a disruptive force that was exposing how American politics works for a lot of people in mass for the first time in decades. This is the first time in my lifetime that a president has done more, whether wittingly or unwittingly, to expose how American politics actually works. So people, I have a lot of people during this election, when I have conversations with them, saying, wow, this is really corrupt. I never knew this was like that. Yeah, you would. You think that's crazy. Let me tell you about this. And then I could tell them about something that I would never have been able to tell them about in the political system before. I, I, trying to explain the economic growth machine, the idea behind that, or consolidation of power and resources, these are things that most people don't care about because they work day jobs and they don't care. They don't think that it affects them, but it does because those consolidation of resources are resources in your town. So if you don't pay attention, out in Colorado, where I'm from, we end up with three Superfund sites in one town. Now, they were cleaning all this stuff up at the beginning of this guy's presidency. They started investing in the community in people going and cleaning up Superfund sites. They were getting money to do that, finally. And so that was providing jobs, that was providing things to the community, services to the community, and my community supported Trump by quite a bit. And so that is what happens when you get behind a disruptive force who has an, not just an economic interest, but a personal interest in making people happy. Because that's the only way he got in office, was to make the people happy. <laughs> that's the only way he could have got in. And so everything he did was, in some way or another, purpose-built to create jobs that, that keep the communities employed and happy. And that's been totally taken away from in terms of rhetoric because of the fact that they have totally smeared him as being nothing more than a fascist bigot and a spoiled rich guy. And I'll even admit that I don't have a very high opinion of him from most of his history, but I didn't know some things about the guy in historically that are very relevant to understand who that person is as a politician. I still don't like the rhetoric. I'm not a big fan. But I will tell you this, he is a lot smarter about history, American history, and how politics works than people gave him credit for. And they, that's a, that was a threat. And so, like him or hate him, you should be terrified that a, a consortium of tech companies just scientifically stole an election from you and they would have won this election by a tie or by a landslide whether or not you wanted Joe Biden or not. That's why Joe Biden was saying things like, I don't care if you vote for me, vote for the other guy then. He literally did not give a shit. He could care less if you voted for him because he knew he was going to win. Somebody made a joke and said that Hooray, we replaced a one-term president with a one-term president. Yeah, that's the joke. These folks that just did this 
They think they're the most powerful thing in our fucking communities. These things that they refer to as the deep state, it's, it's sort of centralized power that's up for grabs. There's more than one group of people fighting over it. And so you don't just get some blanket idea of a deep state that's all working in cohesion. No, no, no. They ha Just like every community has an economic development board, they all have to work in the same way that they want to do this ranked choice voting system. Ranked choice is actually a more accurate way to describe how the internal political system actually works. That is a mirroring of how internal politics works. But in that system, that's just to, to give them a reflection of themselves in the mirror so that they ha can more easily manipulate you. Because at the moment, they have to try a little harder to strategize. And that's what this election was all about. This election, for those folks, was all about getting you warmed up to the idea of ranked choice voting so it makes it easier for their little independent groups of folks that consolidate power place to place to manipulate your groups because then they can name you as their team or whatever. So you're, you're their mascot, basically. You're the goats. <laughs> okay? And, and they're trying to steal the goat. They're trying to steal the other team's mascot, right? And that's, I mean, it sounds like an oversimplification, but I'm doing this for the sake of people who are not in the tech industry right now. I'm doing this for people who don't, do not understand why it's important to actually pay attention to what's being voted on and who is supporting it and not just blindly support somebody because they happen to be a Christian like you, for example, or they happen to be gay like you, for example. They cannot just support somebody just because, hey, that guy's gay, that's my, that's my guy, or hey, that guy's Christian, that's my guy. That's just as dumb as saying, hey, that guy's a Nazi, that's my guy. It's really that bad of an idea. It's logically unsound and it's morally wrong repugnant. It's, it's silly. You should be able to agree with people regardless of what they, their personal values are when it comes to things that are going to benefit your community. And these folks that just took office, unless they do the greatest magic trick of all, of all time and magically completely change their character from their voting records, from their entire time in politics, and all of a sudden they only give people what they actually fucking wanted and it would actually help them all of a sudden, which is extremely unlikely, then shit is not going to change and it's in fact going to get way fucking worse for people who were out there protesting, for example. You think that they're going to use the surveillance state any less to target people who are protesting for their rights? You've got another thing coming. If you were out there breaking windows and doing all that stuff, you got a dossier now. You are definitely on the radar. And you are just as much as a potential threat to the group of people who used you during this election as you are to the people who don't agree with you. And that's how that works. They don't actually respect American voters in that apparatus. They are all part of the club. As George Carlin once put it, it's a big fucking club, but you ain't in it. Well, it's actually a much smaller club than there are people in this country. But it doesn't matter. They think that they're the smartest and that they should get to make the decision. Because synergy.
more than one mind is is better than uh, individual making decisions. Well, that's true, but if you remove people's individual right to choose, in my case, a Republican being the more appropriate candidate in this election, then who won? Then you are removing the very idea of democracy in this republic, and you are silencing people's right to choose, and you are taking away people's freedoms in a way that is totally un-American. And that's sort of the idea here. They want to kill America. It's, we're on the chopping block. This is, you know, I talked about this in the previous podcast, and I was pretty frustrated by a couple of things with my experience with military history and things like that and the way that I've been targeted as a journalist. And, uh, but to be more succinct about it, there was two coups that took place in the last four years that were carried out. And the president goes along with what his advisors are telling him needs to happen for whatever reasons they tell him they need to happen. But I'm going to tell you straight up, they lie to presidents too. I'm sure they did it to Obama, I'm sure they've done it to Bush, and I'm sure that they did it to everybody else, because that's how these people work. They don't tell them the details, they just tell them that this is what we're going to do and this is why we're going to do it. But the part of the missing details is, this isn't for you, and this is actually going to make you look like shit on the back end. That's the kind of things that they do. They never, they're never, never going to tell a president that that's what's going on. So we had two coups happen, one in Venezuela, one in Bolivia. Both of them failed. Both of them failed. <laughs> and the end result is they needed to have a, a successful coup in America in order to get back control over the internal surveillance state so that they could more successfully carry out those coups. So... I don't know if you realize that, if you cared about those, those things that were happening overseas in another country somewhere, but they have to do with things that are about to happen here, like digital currency and technology, batteries and things like that being used that uh, needed uh, supply. So there's a supply and a demand motivation there. And the supply in, in Bolivia's case would be lithium, demand for batteries and electric cars and things like that that they were trying to shift us over to instead of oil. And so in the case of that situation there, even under this president, the jobs for fracking were down. People were being given jobs in other places, in other professions, and they, but they laid off. They already started laying off people in their industry ahead of Trump losing office. So, again, this isn't a joke. These folks that would normally you wouldn't think would support Democratic candidates absolutely supported Joe Biden because he's going to do what's more profitable for them. And in the case of oil companies, what's the most profitable thing in the world for an oil company? To frack and drill for oil. So there, you're being lied to. You're being ma manipulated in a, in a really nefarious way that's bad for everybody. And it's not going to make America to where you, you know, you don't have to listen to Trump again. Oh, I'm so stressed out by this. I don't have to listen to him again today. So that's, oh, to just make it, it feels better already that he's not going to be the president. I'll bet you that's a lot of you people's attitude. You're not going to be singing that song here in about two years, I guarantee it. I, I guarantee you that we're going to still have the same problems we had in the middle of Trump's presidency that we have two years from now 
because none of the historic oppression issues were addressed. None of the issues that affect the working class were even remotely addressed. And the things that were being done that were deconstructive in terms of government under this president directly benefited local people to the point where people who would not have normally been able to run for office were able to run for office and win. Don't you want that in the Democratic Party too? Don't you want to get rid of your local corrupt economic development board leader who does things like poison the water in Flint, Michigan and replace that person with a better person who represents your values and actually knows what your community needs even if they don't 100% agree with you? That's the kind of thing that needs to happen and this president was facilitating it. And so that's why he had to go because all these people who their seats weren't normally up for grabs uh, uh, we talked about this again these are not my wistful ideas this is I'm telling you stuff I learned from people like Larry Lessig who's a political scientist who described our fractional voting system in his talk where he quotes a Princeton study in which they describe how the lower half of the country has a statistical non-vote. We, we don't even get a say. You are just used as a tool, as a weapon to mobilize against their political opponents. So politics in America is actually who can rile up the voting base, the ones that think they have a say, the most to get them targeted against the person that we want to lose the most capably so that we can steal this or steal that. It's a kleptocracy. It's absolutely that. And there's, there's no two ways about it. Again, I am not uh, some, I'm not a MAGA hat wearing, Trump rallying, Trump supporter, okay? I called him the Boat Act president at the beginning of this election because it was a joke. <laughs> like, but that's the idea. That's, that's kind of how that happened, is that he used him as a Pied Piper. But what happened was he got in there and he actually did the fucking job. <laughs> he, he did it in such a way as to really upset their apple cart. And so as much as the police violence stuff you want to blame on Trump, all they're doing is amplifying things that he says in passing and they're doing that because those are union jobs. The, the Democratic establishment proved during Trump's election when they got busted that they could hire people to start fights at Trump's rallies. They proved that they had people that worked in unions. They could call up a union boss and say, hey, I need a guy who will do this really dirty thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I got a guy who'll do that. No problem. And they can call up somebody in the union who will go and do whatever horrif horrifying, horrible, fucking disgusting thing it is that they need done to try and fuck with a political candidate or fuck with a voter or anybody. If they'll do that to a president, if they'll do that to congressmen and senators so that they can win an election, what do you think they're willing to do to the average voter who doesn't say anything about anything in any political office ever? They're willing to throw you in jail and destroy your life over this shit.
just so they can fucking sip tea and fucking have a private meeting and fucking be in the newspaper. That's not a joke. Whereas in my stupid ass case, I was homeless leading into this guy's presidency. I got to a town in which they put my family in the newspaper bragging about their ending homeless program, which was great. They helped get us off the street. We were living in a car. They helped us get into a house. And then three years later, they used the sheriff's targeting program to evict us in the same town. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's what the new normal is, is that you can be taken advantage of and basically rolled by any community like this. They can push you from place to place and roll your ass. That's like getting rolled by goddamn fucking gangsters. But it was cops and local community organizations like Volunteers for America, the VA. That's not a joke. That's what happened to me between 2017 and fucking now. So it's one of those things where if you don't understand that it doesn't matter who the president is, that's what's going to happen to you. Oh, by the way, while that was going on, I was contacted by somebody from Kamala Harris's church on Facebook. I've broke bread with Kamala Harris before. What you're saying about her isn't true. Quote, and all I was talking about was her voting record in which she obstructed the Supreme Court and had voted to hurt people that were in her district as a district attorney and being the top cop. I was pointing out her voting record and he didn't want to admit that that voting record existed. That's denial. Okay, we mentioned denial and deception in another podcast. Well, some people are just in denial and they can be deceived because they're in denial. And so they use people like that sometimes as part of the denial and deception campaign. But if you study it enough, in my case, I study probably too much sometimes. It's, you can't get that over on me because I know enough about the candidates and the voting record and what the vote was actually about and what was leading up to that on the national level and an international level that it's very difficult to skew my fucking view of something. I will listen to an articulate argument in favor of something, but I, you aren't, you're not going to shift my awareness of what something actually was based on and where it came from because I researched it beforehand. So it's very frustrating for some of these folks that are used to being able to cow or make people kowtow to whatever they want, go along to get along, that I keep pointing out that this is going to be bad for people because of this. Stop pointing out the thing that's characteristically wrong with what we're doing. Focus on the good stuff. I would focus on the good stuff, but the thing that you put here that's bad is built into the cake. That's built into the cake. You did that on purpose because it will benefit somebody nefarious. And that is going to allow this to be maligned against the people it's supposed to be intended to help. And so those are the arguments I make that end up getting me contacted by the governor of my state about the water policy on Facebook. Or Kamala Harris's members of Kamala Harris's church telling me that she doesn't vote against people in her district. Bullshit. Both of those things are things that happened between 2017 and the, the 2020 election. And I was run out of my state by local law enforcement. So it wasn't like these folks don't support Democrats. They're, they're in support of establishment candidates. 
they wanted establishment candidates. I knew Kamala Harris was going to be vice president or president before she ever got nominated because that was how adamant these folks were about making sure that her reputation was intact. Well, that she has married into Hollywood and all these different things. It's not that difficult to do. I'm just one guy. I don't know why they would try so hard to win me over, but I'm not going to sit there and call it any other way than how it is because that's what's most beneficial to people when you're a journalist is to lay out facts and be objective about it. And then if you do have a leaning, which is that I tend to lean liberal on certain things, express that. But in my case, I do tend to lean liberal on certain things, like I don't like people to be mass incarcerated. And so this person stands as an affront to what my idea of democracy is. I don't agree with it. It's not the person themselves. I don't know that person at all, but I know that the voting record sure looks like a fucking terrible idea. It looks like the voting record of a Republican, which is sort of the new normal in the Democratic Party. A lot of these Democrats vote Republican. That's not a joke. They vote Republican constantly. And so it's very confusing to me how people can say, well, they're a Democrat. Well, that's all you know about them is that they're a Democrat, but how do you know they're a Democrat? Have you checked their voting record? Do they vote on Democratic bills? What about under Trump's campaign, under Trump's presidency? The Democratic lobbyists, according to The Guardian and Lee Fang, in mass shifted over to Trump's agenda for the entire time he's been in office. Nancy Pelosi went along with all this legislation that he was presenting. So while she sits up on stage putting on an act and tearing up a piece of paper behind people's head, in reality, she was voting for everything that's coming down the pike. That's how politics works. They put on a little show, and if you just pay attention to what they're doing, and they're like, yeah, girl, you go, girl, and that's as far as you look into it, you are going to get screwed every time. And in this election, this is a threat to national security now. This is a thing, this is very serious. I'm genuinely concerned after this election for the sanctity of the Constitution and about what America is going to look like into the future. I don't like systemic racism, but these people that they just put in office are not historically unfond of systemic racism, they in fact write bills to legislate for it. For Christ's sake, you have totally voted against your interests in the Democratic Party if you shifted over to vote for these people. You really did. Again, I voted for Obama twice and then I didn't check his voting record or who supported him financially and that is the last time I will ever make that mistake. I cannot express this enough. I was in the military and that guy did untold harm to our stance on the, on the world stage in terms of military operations. We were already in an illegal war. That didn't mean we needed to fuck it up. Well, he helped fuck it up. And so, and thereby created a level of violence that people feel towards American citizens that didn't exist or as much as it did after that. And that is a thing that happened when Clinton was in office as well. 
Clinton was already bombing the Middle East. Clinton was already trying to inspect Iraq for weapons of mass destruction, which they did not find. They did find evidence that they could create anthrax in Iraq as far back as 1997, but they didn't find any evidence of weapons of mass destruction. And so, when 2001 comes along, the Twin Towers come down and we invade Afghanistan, which the orders were already on the desk to go into Afghanistan. A year before that happened, Condoleezza Rice was told to write those up. Five days before the 9-11 Twin Towers incident happened, they were sitting on George Bush's desk ready to sign. All he had to do was walk into his office and sign the papers that were already sitting there for five days. And then we, we go into Afghanistan. <laughs> and then the Iraq War, well, you know who, Joe Biden, was up there on a committee trying to decide whether or not they could get congressional approval to go to war. And wouldn't you know it, he wasn't interested in hearing any other narrative other than the one that would get us into a war. Joe Biden is one of the exact same people that got us into two illegal wars. He is in no uncertain terms part of the establishment group of politicians who have been leading us down the wrong path for 20 years. Some of you who voted in this election are not even 20 years old. So it's not a surprise to me that it's outside your awareness. But this is a threat to your future if you're in that age group. They're going to start a war. Joe Biden has done it before with another group of people who lied us into two wars in the Middle East. And if you don't believe me, you can read about Pat Tillman, who characterized it as cowboys leading us into imperial folly. You can read about a lot of people who will tell you about the illegal lies that were told to get us into two wars in the Middle East. Again, some of you this has been 20 years that this has been going on. You are old enough to serve in those wars that were started before you were born. That's insanity. That is everything that was described in George Orwell's 1984. That the war is perpetual and that it will never end. Well, if war has been going on in your generation's entire life, then it's just part of the day-to-day -day existence that, oh yeah, of course we have two wars going on in the Middle East right now. We have more wars than that going on, but that's what they want. They want to shift that to be the new paradigm. That was not the paradigm when I was growing up. We had one 100-day conflict, and it was like, all right, that's it. That was George Bush Sr. that did that. So they were just testing to see if they could knock one out of the park in 100 days, and they did. And it was embarrassing because we were the ones that funded the Iraqis in the first place during the Iran-Iraq war, <laughs> and this is on the back end of things like Iran-Contra, which you have probably no historical awareness of if you're a younger voter, but that, that guy, Jamal Khashoggi, that was killed, well, his family was tied to that Iran-Contra thing. They're cleaning up the evidence and killing off historical figures one by one so that you don't know what these people have been up to, and that's what this election was about. It's clean up on aisle four, as Dan Bongino put it. They're trying to sweep the evidence under the rug that they committed war crimes and did anything illegal for profit 
and that they ever lied to Americans about anything. And they've been trying to kill that narrative my entire adult life. But the fact of the matter is, I was born before that happened. I watched what happened happened. I didn't like what happened on 9-11 at all. And I, just like every American, I was like, this fucked up. They fucking knocked down two towers. Never forget, never forget. <laughs> Let me tell you what. When you find out about the fact that there was financial gains made on that terror attack, it changes your pers perspective of what evil is and what people are capable of doing and the level of betrayal that's possible within your own government. And again, in, within the FBI, there wasn't even agreement. They wanted to pursue the case for insider trading on that event. People invested in and made money on the Twin Towers coming down. The FBI tried to investigate it. And on the back end of this, they fired people like the head of ethics at the FBI. When they start to fire the head of ethics at the FBI and they won't let them investigate the insider trading scandal, you know that they committed a crime. And they're hiding it because that would implicate the people that were tied to it aren't fit for office and that would then would lose control then. Now this, this coup right here, they did this without firing a shot or knocking down a single building. But guess what? It's just as dangerous. And it will eventually come out who paid for what, how this was done, and for why. And I guarantee you it's going to happen a lot faster than the, that information came out. Again, most people don't know that Americans are allowed to sue the Saudi Arabian government because they were involved in the in insider trading on 9-11. But they weren't the only ones. And that's how that works. They try and hide that evidence. they got to hide that evidence so they can keep that pony running. they got to ride it hard and put it away wet or run it to death in our case. So we can't allow this to continue going on. We really can't. I don't care who you voted for. This election was a coup against the American people. This wasn't just about a president. This was a coup against you, the American voter, to take your election system from you for good, to make it to where you can never decide who your politician is, what you get to vote on, none of it. They are taking it from you right now. I don't care what your politics are. Again, I am actually a registered Democrat who supported Bernie Sanders. If I had to support a candidate out of that last election, it would have been Tulsi Gabbard. Because Tulsi Gabbard, not only being military, but being a medic in the military, is not going to be interested in sending us into another illegal war. Flat out. And you folks get hung up on the historical issue of she used to be a religious person that didn't support that or support this. But meanwhile, you'll really just completely overlook the fact that so, did, so was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> but you were with her, so what's the problem? Is it that you're a racist? Or are you a bigot against military people? Or is it that she's just not popular enough? What's the fucking problem? I don't really get it. The popularity contest shit needs to stop with politics. We passed up an opportunity to vote for two people into the office, it could have been Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard, that would have led the Democratic Party 
into favor in a way that no politicians have in history. And guess what? It wouldn't have been bad for Republicans either. They would have respected both parties because they historically have. <laughs> so, but Bernie Sanders got an appointment as uh, an, an appointment in labor, as a labor secretary. So he settled. He betrayed his, his base and he settled, in my opinion. And he knows politics well enough to know that they were going to steal this election and that there was nothing he could do about it because they did it to him twice. <laughs> so he settled and he betrayed the grassroots movement. So that grassroots movement, if any of you happen to listen to this, you need to know that we can't settle for settling. We need stronger politicians than that. We need people who have more of a backbone than that and who are willing to lose <laughs> in order to at least get the information out in front of the people so that they can really know what it is they are or are not voting for. And then after that, at least it's a fair and honest election. And it's on the table what people are actually voting for. Because right now, you were told that you were voting against the bad orange man who's a fascist, when really you were voting for two secret fascists that believe in a police state. And... <laughs> I, that's not a joke. That's if you just look at their records, that's what they voted for historically. I don't care who thinks they're they're popular and cool and hip, and I don't care what you think about entertainers telling you what to vote for. Those people are telling you what to vote for to keep their place in society, even though they don't seem to understand. They'd probably still have their success and their place in society, even if it was a Republican candidate, just so long as they're not being shitheads about it. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody really cares. We, we are entertained by entertainers. And beyond that, we usually don't care about their politics. But somehow, because wooshy-wooshy-washy, woo-woo bullshit got brought in in mass with violence from the Democratic side of the House this time, because you guys were afraid that Republicans were going to intimidate you, what's intimidating about people just having a different argument than you? The only violence I saw, for the most part, in this case, was fights being paid for at Trump rallies. I did see the Proud Boys type people get pissed off after that, and when people started rioting in Oregon, the cops were shooting at them and doing stuff. But also, Vice News did an investigative report on that and went and met with the anti-fascist guy and sat there and, well, look, man, they're firing these... Yeah, I agree with you. That's wrong. But you guys are actively engaged in shaking the gates and yelling at the cops while they were inside their building like you were going to storm the building. So you're probably going to get shot in the face with a non-lethal if you do that. Like, they can't risk you taking a Capitol building or taking a police station. That's, that's an act of war. And we had the Clive and Bundy thing. And at the end of the Clive and Bundy thing, when they took over that federal facility, guess what? A couple of them died. So it's not even a thing that's a mystery. At least you weren't murdered. Now, this is the end for the podcast for now. I, uh, <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. It's, it's really time for people to wake up and understand that unless we're, you're, you're going to resign to, to ha using insurrection to win votes from now on, uh, you'd better be ready to to wake the fuck up and, and realize here in the next two years that this election wasn't about you and that america is not going to be the america it once was and that people are going to end up homeless 
no matter who's president, because that was done at the behest of companies that are going to make money on that. And so they have an economic interest in letting you become homeless so they can buy up your property and real estate and rework it and then not let you move back in because you were evicted. So now you've got an eviction on your record. And so now they've got to create some government policy to help you in particular because you were evicted, even though it was their fault. That's how that works. And so, God help us, we're going to end up with little things like that that are used in a draconian way to keep some people out of housing and allow other people into housing that don't disagree with the politics. That's, that's the new normal that they want instated. And they did such an expert scientific analysis of the American voting population during this election that they're going to be able to institute it unless you wake up to the fact that this was a coup. And it wasn't against President Trump. It was against you as a voter in both parties. Both parties. This is not going to be good for America. This is the Earning Hope podcast. Earning hope. Not hoping for it. Earning it. Signing off.